If you have a brand new website or one that just isn't getting any traffic from search, what is the highest leverage move you can make to get people flooding in? That's what I asked today's guest, Jeremy Moser, the CEO of Usurp. Let's hear his answer. Jeremy, dude, so stoked to have you here to dive into the blog and SEO side of things. And you guys have done some crazy stuff growing some brands on Google. And when people think about Google search, they often think about, oh, it's too competitive. Oh, it's too hard. Uh, there's no way that I could show up in front of some of these big brands. But you guys in your agency have, you know, I'll say, quote unquote, recently taken a company from basically nothing, a brand new domain to getting more than 70,000 uh, search visits per month on their site and ranking in front of some of these like old giants like Nerd Wallet and some of these other companies. So like when somebody's just starting out and they're building a brand and they understand that search is going to be a big part of their traffic strategy, like what are some of the first things they need to do to set themselves up for success? I think one of the biggest things that we see driving the most impact is is a mistake that people tend to make is is focusing too much on the quality standpoint at first when we're talking about content and really not focusing on just publishing velocity overall. So if you're a new brand overall, you got a brand new site, brand new domain, you haven't had any content ranking there before, it's really hard to publish just a few good pieces and expect those to rank really quickly. Google's still trying to kind of figure out what your brand's all about, what your content is like, if it's a good fit for the user intent and user experience, things like that. So you really want to just throw a bunch of stuff out there in different categories that make sense for your brand and really see what sticks early on. This is kind of a strategy we did with the company that we worked with in, in the fintech space, where we covered a bunch of different topics that are really related to the app that they have to see you know, what sticks over time and, and what tends to get the most traction early on so that we can then double down in that category and just start creating a bunch more content, earning a bunch of links pointing directly to those pages. And so I think that's a, a critical mistake that most people make is trying to perfect it too early. It's kind of like the mantra of like, just ship your MVP, right? Just get that content out the door get it on your site, see what keywords start to pick up and what starts to get traction early, and then just triple down from there. So you would take, for example, like this fintech company you guys were working with. Obviously, there's a lot of verticals within fintech. So you would pick several different verticals, probably unrelated, and you'll be creating content in these somewhat unrelated verticals, see what sticks, what starts to get the most traction and then double down in that. Do you totally disregard the other verticals that you were writing content in or is it more like an 80-20? Typically, we use a, what's called a pillar and post strategy. Um, so we're really looking at, at creating a lot of pillar pages, which are usually long form guides around different subjects. So maybe we'd pick five or six varying subjects within the fintech space. So that could be even going as narrow as like, you know, UGMA or UTMA accounts, something like really specific, something more broad, like how do I invest or investing for kids or things like that, where we're, we're looking at a lot of different verticals there. And then we're publishing a lot of posts within that to see essentially what's sticking there and where we can go from there. Um, and it really helps you cover such a broad category of topics versus saying like, you know, here's three great keywords. Let me spend, you know, the next month or two months creating really good guides here. Um, it's kind of a waste of time in that sense where you want to hit the ground running as fast as possible and ship it out the door so you can see that, you know, okay, these categories are maybe less competitive because we're ranking there faster. And so that's a really good opportunity for you to then just double down and then create a lot more content in that niche or that one little vertical segment. Um, it just gives you a lot of opportunities to expand both from you know an SEO standpoint, but then also the PR side and kind of the off-page side of things where 
you're really trying to get some backlinks, some mentions, publicity to these pieces of content. If you can rank really well, really quickly there in comparison, it makes things a whole lot easier when you're doing outreach. As far as the time frame goes, when you're, you know, quote unquote, throwing stuff at the wall in that phase, how long is that phase typically? I, I know it's going to vary and it, it, you, it might be do it until you get some traction, but how long are you guys typically throwing stuff against the wall until you kind of say like, okay, let's, let's go down this path? Yeah, it's a really good question. So it definitely will depend on the niche that you're in. If you're in like the fintech space, kind of what we're working in, things are obviously hyper competitive. And so things will take a little bit longer. So I'd say anywhere from, you know, one to three months is when you should start to see um, things come into play. In the first month, you'll typically start to see some keywords populate in like Google Search Console or Google Analytics, Ahrefs, whatever tool you're kind of using there to measure. So you should see a lot of keywords start to come in. And that'll give you a good idea too of like, okay, you know, these specific pages are already generating keyword rankings. They're probably going to be very low, obviously, like you're going to be ranking, you know, 80, 90. But if they're still registering in that sense, uh, that's really good, you know, proof of concept essentially to keep going. And if you're seeing some pages or some verticals where it's been a month, two months, and you're not seeing any rankings come in for anything, uh, typically it's a sign that, you know, that's going to be a more longer term play. You really want to double down on the stuff that's getting ranking. So on average, you're probably looking at a couple months at least to see if you're on like a brand new domain and you're kind of just launching from the ground up. I'd say, you know, give it two to three months of publishing a, a handful of content there and just see what sticks. And then from there, uh, it's, it's really a compound interest thing where, you know, it starts to pick up really rapidly after about three to six months. You know, every month, month over month, you should be seeing some, some pretty massive gains in traffic. Awesome. And when you get into this more guide type content, right, this longer form content, once you've kind of picked this vertical, there's, there's all, I want to choose how I say this wisely. So there's a lot of amazing content on the internet already. How much when you guys get into like writing guides, are you reinventing the wheel versus are you modeling off of other content and obviously putting your own spin on it, but modeling off of other content that's already performed really well? Yep, absolutely. So it's definitely a little bit of both. So you really want to model in the sense that that should serve as like your base layer. So looking at what's existing out there, what's already ranking gives you a really good idea of search intent. So search intent being, you know, what is someone looking for when they're searching that keyword, right? Like, is it a more informational piece? Do they want a video included in there? Do they want a checklist or some sort of sort of downloadable guide in that sense? So really modeling what exists out there as a base layer, but then also seeing, you know, where are the gaps in their current content, right? Like maybe can you add a, a dynamic table where people can play around with like the formulas or a slider where they can engage with something? Can you get quotes from experts in your industry? Can you add an infographic or create a video piece of content that you can add in there? So like what are the gaps that exist out there? Those are your biggest opportunities really to get quicker wins. Um, and just kind of using that what's existing out there as a base layer and expanding from there is typically going typically to get you the best results because you can see obviously what works and then you fill in those gaps to make it even better. And you said something there around uh, video. So if you have a blog post around, you know, a guide around X and then you have a, it doesn't have to be a video that covers the same exact stuff, but a somewhat complimentary video. Would you put that video in that guide? Is that beneficial for that piece of written content? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So I would layer in that video within that guide. And then you can also upload that onto YouTube and you can do some YouTube SEO there. So if you if you search for a given keyword, you can also see, just look through the search results and see like, is video content showing up in that search result? And that gives you a chance to even rank there, possibly even faster than ranking just organic blog written content. 
So if you search for, you know, one of your target keywords, you see a couple pieces of organic content ranking. You might also see a video box where it's pulling in essentially search results from YouTube of relevant content. If you see stuff that's outdated there, maybe it's published like in 2019 or 2020, that's a massive opportunity for you to create a brand new video around that because Google really values freshness of content and the accuracy of content. And so if stuff is two, three years old in the YouTube section, um, you know, creating a video around that, that not only you're going to add to that blog post that you have, but also just try to rank that organically, you might be able to take up, you know, two positions on an organic search results. And that's super valuable because you're only capturing more traffic doing that. Amazing. And we have a lot of creators listening to this podcast. So is it a good strategy to say, write blog posts, and if the blog posts do well, create complimentary YouTube videos and vice versa could be the opposite strategy, create YouTube videos and which YouTube videos do well, create blog posts on those. Is that a, a solid strategy for kind of uh, creating pla- content on both platforms, but not necessarily maybe stretching yourself thin if you're a solo creator? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. It's a really good way to test the market too, right? If you see that a YouTube video is doing really popular, but maybe the keyword doesn't have like a ton of search volume, if you're plugging that into, you know, any given keyword tool, it's probably a good sign that that keyword actually does have a lot of search results. And so it's probably worthwhile to turn that, you know, video into a longer form blog post and also vice versa, right? Like if you're, if you're seeing a blog post that's gaining traction, or maybe you see competitors out there that have pretty good stuff, but like they don't have video yet. Including that video is, again, just another leverage point for you to increase the quality of that content. And usually we see that perform just best overall. Like what what gaps identify out there and how can you fill those from a content perspective? Both, you know, if you're starting on YouTube, maybe you're bringing that over to more of a blog-centric focus. Uh, the two are really synergistic. Love it. And you, you were mentioning earlier when you kind of find this vertical in your blogs that is is starting to get some traction, you kind of go deep on that and you create guides Someone recently mentioned to me a term that I'd never heard of. I'm curious to know your thoughts. They talked about blog cannibalization. So if you create too much content around a specific uh, uh, target keyword or keyword phrase, that it could actually hurt you instead of help you. Uh, So my thought was you should want... If there's 10 search results on the front page of Google, you should want all 10. Uh, Their point was you should just want that number one spot. What's your... Uh, thoughts on that, Jeremy? It's definitely something that comes up when you're creating content at scale. And we sort of get around this with what what we call a pillar and post strategy. Um, The content cannibalization, you can kind of identify that if you're searching for a keyword on on Google. So for example, let's say you're searching for like, you know, the best uh, CRM tools or something like that. Um, If you see that, there's probably also, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of kind of small variations of that keyword. So maybe it's like, good CRM tools, great CRM tools, CRM tools for XYZ. Like there's a bunch of different secondary keywords there in relation to that kind of parent keyword. And so really just looking at the search results from all of those and comparing them is a good way to see if you're going to cannibalize your own content. So for example, seeing if the search results are the same for like best CRM tools as they are for good CRM tools, then you don't need to create a whole new piece for good CRM tools because you're probably going to rank for you know hundreds potentially even thousands of keywords for a single piece, depending on how broad the subject is. So identifying really from there, like, you know, what are those secondary keywords that you're picking up for? And then really just trying to include more of that in your content, making it more in depth is a really great strategy. And then branching off with some of those post pages where like, you don't see that happening, right? So you you find other keywords 
that are similar, but different enough to where the content on a search result is not showing those same 10 people over and over again. It's maybe pulling in different results. And that's kind of your opportunity to, to create more content around the same subject without basically cannibalizing that, that same content. Love it. That makes total sense. Appreciate the clarity on that. And what are the like fundamental stuff do people get wrong that like the things that like if you do it wrong the first six months of your blog project or your business project that just happens to have a heavy blog emphasis, like if you get this wrong in the first six months, you're going to be like working twice as hard the next six months. Like what are those like killer things that people get wrong? I think one of the biggest things is not focusing on promotion enough. Um, this really is something you see in competitive spaces. Obviously, if you're starting like a super niche, like affiliate site, maybe, or your content is in a very niche subject matter where like there's not that many searches, so there's not going to be much competition for ranking for that. If you're going into a space like around tech or SaaS, fintech, things like that, uh, the, the spaces are just going to be dominated with people who have been around for 10 plus years. Um, so you really need to focus on promotion just as much, if not more than the content that you're creating. Um, so creating and publishing a lot of content at the start, but then you need to go get links for that. Uh, which is basically, you know, other sites pointing back to you, right? They're linking to that informational content you just published and and sending signals to Google and your brand that this content is really valuable, it's trustworthy, it's helping users out. Uh, those are going to be really critical in the early days. And uh, I see it a lot of times where, you know, folks will focus a bit too much on publishing more content and not enough, especially in competitive spaces, on landing a lot of these links, getting some partnerships going there where, you know, you're getting mentioned on these bigger sites, you're building that brand authority, you're building branded searches over time, right? So people are searching for your brand name versus just like, you know, top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, informational stuff. Um, so you can really stand out in that sense long term. And I think that's something that's often overlooked. Is there a basic strategy for that that's working? So I know, uh, and it might be the same now. I know historically, you know, people would just send out a bunch of emails asking for backlinks. Like, is the has the strategy got more complex than that, or is that still a big part of how you gain backlinks? It's definitely still a big part of it. It's it's far more competitive, obviously, than it has been in the past. Um, I think you're at a, a severe disadvantage for specifically using that kind of tactic if you're a brand new company. Uh, you just don't have too much to leverage off there, right? Like, you don't you don't have any sort of additional information you can give folks. You can't give them maybe additional promotion or something in exchange because you're pretty new. Your site doesn't have too much authority. So a site is not really benefiting all that much from linking back to you. Um, so your case there is a little more difficult. And, and in that case, I would really focus just on building as many relationships as you can with site owners, bloggers, journalists, media. Like how can you get your foot in the door there that's not just cold outreach? Uh, because when people are doing cold outreach, like the first thing someone's going to look at when you send them an email is they're probably going to type your brand into Google, right? They're going to see, you know, who is this person emailing me and what are they about? And if nothing really shows up yet, because you're a brand new company, they're probably going to disregard your email. That's just kind of the way it goes. Um, they get so many pitches like this on a daily basis that you kind of have to get creative there. And so some of the things you can do is, again, build relationships with people that maybe own sites uh, in your niche. Maybe they are journalists or a media owner, and they can get their foot in the door elsewhere. Um, and then I also think just creating really good content and then going to experts in your field and saying, hey, like, I'd love a quote from you on this subject. Like, you're, you're an expert leader here, you're an industry authority. It'd really be beneficial for this piece. And we can also give you some promotion in return. And so by doing that, you're kind of getting that reciprocal nature going where, you know, maybe you're quoting an expert and then they're sharing it with their network because they just got quoted. And every, everyone obviously loves to share 
you know, when they're featured in certain things or on subjects as a thought leader. And so it's kind of like that exchange of value there, right? Where they're getting uh, a nice quote on your site and then they're going and sharing that with their network. That's going to then extend the amount of people you can reach. And then also the possibility of just getting so many more links than you can by kind of just publishing and just hoping something good happens. Love it. And I'm going to hit you with a couple quick questions here uh, to get your thoughts. Uh, What is your favorite SEO tool right now? I'm pretty torn between SEMrush and Ahrefs. I'd say I lean more towards the Ahrefs side. I've just been using it for quite a bit longer. I think it's better if you're on the kind of link building side of things in specific where the off page like digital PR sector. Uh, I think SEMrush is really good though for like if you're doing a content focused uh, approach, at least in the early days, I think SEMrush has a lot of value there too. Awesome. We had, I think it might've been like episode two or three, we had Sam O, the uh, VP of marketing for Ahrefs on on the podcast here. So yeah, very familiar with that. Uh, what's your thoughts on AI tools such as Jasper for uh, writing blog content? We actually do use, we use Copy AI a bit here and there for for a variety of different things. So this can range from actually writing pieces of direct blog posts um, all the way to like, you know, maybe we're doing topic creation at scale. So maybe we're doing a large scale outreach campaign and creating like a hundred different topics at scale for different sites and different niches for different types of content. I think it's super useful for that, for like really creating those at scale. It can also do like things like subject lines for emails um, and just saves a ton of time overall. I think it's, it's best seen as like an addition to your process and not a replacement, obviously. Because um, AI is really, for the most part, at least right now, is kind of rehashing what's already out there. And to be really valuable content in this day and age, you need to add some sort of unique value. You can't just regurgitate, it, at least in competitive spaces, you know what's already ranking out there and expect to do better than them because it's just basically a carbon copy at that point. Um, and so I think AI as like a tool to create better content is really awesome. Uh, we use Copy AI to, to do stuff like that and, and uh, saves a ton of time. So yeah, we're, we're big fans. Jeremy, this has been super valuable, dude. You've shared a, a ton of information here. So I appreciate your time today. Where can people learn more about you and uh, your company that you're the co-founder and CEO of? Yeah, you can uh, connect with me on Twitter. My name is uh, Jeremy Moser on there. You should be able to find me. Uh, just search the name up. Uh, and then usurp.io, U-S-E-R-P.io is uh, the agency. And we do basically a lot of digital PR, SEO, link building for uh, venture-backed software companies. Love it, dude. Cool, man. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Take care. Hey, before you go, real quick, real quick. Take a screenshot, shoot this over to a friend. That's how we grow the show. You share it, I keep producing awesome content. Deal? Deal. Oh, and and by the way, if you're ready to create your own content funnel, head over to contentfunnels.co and snag a time on my calendar today. 